0: So are are you ready for today? You are? You have no idea what I have planned. How do you know if you're ready? Maybe wild today. I'm excited today. I'm, I'm ready for today because it's the last in this series. Have you liked this series with the with the stories, the video stories of people's lives? Man, it's just it's just amazing. And I love it that they've been from one end of the spectrum to the other. You have all different kinds of stories that we're hearing about. And what's great about that is They're stories from people that just sit next to you throughout the week, throughout the month. It's just us. It's who it is. It's the story of us up there. And um, today we're going to wrap that up. I'm super excited about it because uh, I'm going to kind of switch the the flow of things a little bit. But before we jump in, if you have your orange bulletin, you want to take notes, the notes are in there. If not, you can jump on version on the Bible app, take notes there if you want. If not, just listen really good. All right. I was never that guy. I have to write it down. I have to take notes. In fact, if you tell me anything in the lobby, like, hey, remember, next Wednesday we're doing this. I'll just pull out my phone and start typing it because the phone is the greatest thing for people with ADHD, man, because I can just type it in because I'll never remember it. Somebody will go, fire, and I'll take off, and that'll be it, and then I'll just forget everything. So I remember it by typing it in. I hope that you can take some notes today. You can remember some of this. Let me start by a question. Uh, how many in here, is anybody in here, this is probably the only church in, in town asking this question. How many are 80s music, 80s rock fans? Do we have anybody that likes the good old 80s, like Eagles and Bon Jovi? And Only their clean songs, though, Only their clean songs. Not none of the bad stuff. Um, well, let me show you a picture. Does anybody know who this is up here? Not his most masculine pic- picture, but... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there you go. Somebody, like, I think I know it. Yeah, it's David Bowie. David Bowie died just a couple of years ago. He was uh, probably not one of my favorite artists from the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and all that, but for sure one of the most different ones. I mean, he he reached out in some of that music. He stretched the limits. But the reason I bring him up today is because it kind of pertains to what we're talking about today. I read an article a couple of years ago when he died. I think it was like January, February of 2016, and the article was about his faith. And I thought, the first first thing I thought of was, what's his faith? I want to know. And he just, through the article, talked about how he had traveled for the last 40 years, traveled all over the world. And he had uh, got to sit down with, not just have concerts in front of, but really got to sit down with some pretty incredible people, rulers of countries, CEOs of corporations. He got to sit down with lots of spiritual leaders all over the world and would ask them questions. And toward the end of the article, they kind of, that he summarized it and he said, well, here, here's the thought about my faith. When, you know, 40 years ago, I had lots and lots and lots of questions. I had many questions. Nowadays that, you know, he's about to pass away, he said, I don't have near as many questions. But the ones that I do have are much more important. And I thought of, as we've been through this series, I thought, that's, that's what I hope, that maybe at the beginning of the series you had a bunch of questions about life and how to deal with situations. And the videos have, the videos have answered some of those questions. But I'm going to rearrange the message today in hopes of that we can get down to some of the more serious questions. Does that make sense? Not just kind of hit overall questions, but some of, the, some of the couple of the serious ones. And, and I want to I use an illustration, use a guy that's in the Old Testament. His name was Jacob. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Jacob or not. Jacob was, uh, you will be familiar with him because he's an incredible human being, incredible person, but really he's an incredible person the last half of his life. If you'd met Jacob in the first half of his life, you would have steered around him. You wouldn't want to be his buddy probably. In fact, when he was born, he was a twin, and when he was born, he was holding on to his brother Esau's uh, foot. He was holding on to his heel, and because of that, they named him Jacob, well, most of us in America, we go, well, that's no big deal. That Jacob is just Jacob, right? Well, not in the Hebrew culture. In the English, it's just Jacob. In the Hebrew culture, it translated to deceiver. So, right off the bat, don't you love parents that do that? Like, can you imagine if we had parents nowadays that, are like, hey, puking machine, would you like something else to eat? Or, you know, like, hey, diaper filler. You know, I mean, like, when you're little, like, whatever you did, they just named you that. It would be, be terrible, but that was a cultural thing for the Hebrews where they would say, what is it that we think of when we see the, the, the child and they think of Jacob? He's a deceiver. And, and really throughout his, the first half of his life, he really lived up to that. He, he really tried to take control of his life and do things the way he wanted to do them. And, and really as I read Jacob's story, as I've read it over the years, I really thought it's really a lot like America's story. And I don't mean like really our country, but all of us, because we're really taught in America culture, in American culture, to go out and get what you want. That's the American dream, right? You just go get it. And sometimes it's hard as an American to find the balance of letting God lead me and me lead me. Does that make sense? I mean, if you have any drive and some goals in life, you're gonna find that balance often. So, what I wanna start with today is. I want to start with the end of Jacob's life, flip it around, work backwards. And, and I think this, after, after seeing Jacob's life and seeing the way that he changed and some of the things that he learned about himself and about God, I think the first thing that he would tell you is, is the first fill in the blank in your notes is this. The first thing that he would say is, let God have control of your life. Because see, for the first half of Jacob's life, he fought for control. I want to control my life. Yes, I know my dad and my brother and my mom, they've all surrendered their lives to God. But I'm going to show you that if I just grab the bull by the horns and I get out there and get after it, that I'm going to blaze my own trail in life. And I think there's a balance of that that we need to find throughout life that God comes first and then our agenda. And let God lead us in that. Let God use your gifts and your abilities and your fighting spirit and all that. Let him lead and guide those things. Even to the fact where uh, Jacob learned a powerful lesson uh, in his deception, his brother, who was the firstborn, Esau, he had the inheritance coming to him. All his dad had worked for, that all goes to the firstborn. Jacob was the one that he didn't like to go out hunting and working cattle and all that. Jacob would stay at the house. One day he was actually fixing, the Bible tells us in Genesis, he was actually fixing some stew. And his brother Esau comes in from being gone hunting for a few days and he's starving to death. And he comes up to Jacob and he says, hey, can I have some of that stew? And he said, no, it's not ready yet. And he goes, come on, brother, I'm starving. And he goes, why are you so hungry? He goes, well, I've been, out, I've been gone on a hunting trip for three days and haven't eaten. We didn't have any good luck, so I'm starving to death. And Jacob thought, here's an opportunity. Carve my own path. He said, all right, brother, I'll do this. If you will trade me your birthright, I'll give you some stew. Your inheritance as the firstborn. Of course, Esau said, no way. I can't believe you would ask that. Just give me some stew. I mean, it's, it's in our house. And he said, no, I'm not giving it to you unless you tell me verbally that I can have your inheritance. And right then and there, we saw a, an incredibly terrible situation happen. As Esau said, I'm going to surrender what God's blessed me with to get what I want right now. And Jacob, on the other hand, says, I'm not going to take what God wants for me. I'm going to take what I want for me and took Esau's inheritance. And we see them from that point forward fight. We see lives lost. We see them have two separate places where they live. And actually, this day, this story that we're going to start talking about is Jacob went off to meet Esau many years later. Something like 30 years later, he goes off and he's trying to, he's trying to reconcile. But he's at the camp. Jacob's at this camp. And his family and friends and everybody, they leave to meet him at another place. And while they're there, an angel shows up with Jacob. Now, let me, let me, before we get into this, I want, I want to show you, instead of at the end of the message, I want to show you the video at the beginning of the message. I want to show you a video of a guy that goes to our church, that grew up in church, knew how to live, and because of some, I'll take charge of my life, attitudes in high school and college, Uh, he he got to go to college on a baseball scholarship, super talented, and in the middle of that had a tragedy happen that, to one of his friends that changed his life. He ended up probably much farther and worse off than he ever believed that he would be. So let's watch Chris's story.
1: My name is Chris Laster, and uh, I grew up in a single mother home until I was around 10 years old. And my mom uh, married my stepfather. I uh, never was in church before then. Uh, when my stepdad um, came into my life, he got me into church. About high school, I started um, falling down the wrong path. I was always trying to find the party on a Friday or Saturday night, and I always wanted to be the life of the party. I just wasn't living the way I was supposed to live. I would show up to church and not the right mindset, and just pretty much putting on a show. After high school, I went to college on a baseball scholarship. One semester I was home visiting home, and my best friend was murdered when I was 19 years old. At that point in my life, I began doing drugs, and um, it escalated very, very quickly. Within two years of me starting to do drugs, all my internal organs and everything were ate up by drugs and um, my heart had failed. And um, I'd pull up into my my mom and dad's driveway at this point. She picked me up out of the car because I couldn't walk on my own. We get to the hospital and that's when they told me that all my organs were failing. Just that feeling I got at that point, I was like, it's time for me to change my ways. It's time for me to get my life right. I was doing good for a little while, slowly but surely I got back in my old ways. I started running the streets again. I just felt more comfortable to me. That went on for another five or six years. And I remember my mom told me, she said, I hate to put this on you, but I hope you get caught doing what you're doing so you can get cleaned and realize what's going on. It probably wasn't a week after we had that conversation. Um I was arrested once again. I was in I was incarcerated for a few months and we had had a um, chaplain coming in every other Sunday. And the first couple of times I was just kind of doing it to try to keep me busy. But the third week, I remember they're just tugging at my heart telling me that I, I I should probably just go up there one more time. and uh, it really hit home, so I stayed after a little bit and I talked to the chaplain for a while. And I went back to my bunk and I prayed. And I said, God, if this is really what you need me to do, and I said, just talk to me and show me a sign. I woke up Sunday morning. I heard the other unit had gotten into some trouble. And so the chaplain wasn't able to go to their unit. And he was coming back to ours that next week. It was just like an unreal feeling of basically, this is your sign that you were asking for. He did another short sermon. And after that, I prayed with him and asked him if he'd pray with me. and I. Regained my life to Christ that day in the middle of a jail cell. At that moment, even in that situation I was in and the environment I was in, I felt like I was a free man. I I felt like I could literally fly. I had no idea when I was getting out of jail. But at that moment, I knew I was a different person. Two days later, um, I hear my name called. I go, I'm going to court, and they release me. And shortly after that, I met my future wife at the time, now my wife. I got a good job, and just many different doors had opened that I had never thought would ever be open to me. I'm just so thankful for God redeeming me the way He did. I was set free from not just the struggles inside of me, but I was redeemed from the broken relationships, the un- the unhealthy relationships, the forgiveness, and the strength to walk back into a room where you know you have hurt these people and you have literally gone against everything you were raised to be. My worst day now is better than my best day in the past. And it's just because God has literally redeemed me from all the sin and the embarrassment of what I had done to me, myself, and my family.
0: Can we show Chris a little bit of love for sharing his story? Isn't that good? It's awesome. And, and I'll ask you if you don't mind to do something. When you see Chris, Chris attends our church and he's walking around. We only have about 15 Chris's walking around here, but when you see that Chris, will you just give him a fist bump or shake his hand and say, hey, thanks for sharing your story. I'm super proud of what God's doing in your life. I think it would be a huge help." for him and a big encouragement and the reason we share that up front today instead of at the end of the message and then pray is that I want to talk about what what happens after God redeems you so many of us in this room many of us have a story of God redeeming us that we took the wrong path we made wrong mistakes we got us in a spot we didn't think we would ever be in and then we cried out for help God saved us, changed our lives, put us on the right path. What happens after that? And the reason I want to hit that direction today is because I would think after three weeks, uh, most of us in here have really said, you know, I, I can see what God's trying to show me. But I want to, I want to focus on um, the tougher ones in the room today. How about that? The people in the room that this Jesus thing is an okay idea, but I'm never relinquishing control. I want to hold on to what God's doing. I mean, I want to hold on to my life, and I'm too scared to let God take control. So I want to focus on that, and I want to encourage you that when you, when you say yes to him, when you become part of the redeemed, when Jesus comes into your life, there's some things that sometimes you don't get to know until after it happens. And I'm going to use Jacob, uh, his story, to help us understand what happens when we say yes to Jesus. What, what changes for all of us control freaks? Can I get an amen? For us control freaks, when we give over control, what happens in our life and why is that a good thing? Why would I stand up here and spend a, a message talking to people that focus on controlling their lives versus giving Jesus control? So we started, let me, let me say this, as, as Jacob's getting ready to meet with his brother the next day, he's standing there in the tent and a man appears to him. An angel appears to him. I'm going to read you that in just a second. But what I want you to see through this little event is that you get a new strength when God redeems you. That's point number one for today. You get a new strength. And why do I use strength is because, listen, one of the things that I pride myself on is my discipline, is my strength. People that like to take control of their life and carve their own path in life, you want to have, I mean, those those people have strength and you want to always have control. But can I tell you that what happens is when God comes into your life, that you trade out your strength for a different kind of strength, a new strength. Let, let, me, let me show you the transition here that happened with, uh, with Jacob. So Genesis 32 says this. Everybody left. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man, a, the, the, another version says an angel, but a man came and wrestled him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match... So does that tell you, just pause for a minute. Does that tell you how strong Jacob is? Probably as much strong-willed as he is strong physically. He's been wrestling this guy, telling him, I want you to bless my life. And what Jacob's doing is, you know what Jacob's doing? Just what he's done forever. He's grabbing the heel. He's trading out his birthright. He's taking control. I I, I can do this. Like this angel, what are you popping up in my tent for? I'm going to wrestle you. Until you give me what I want in life. I'm tired of where I'm at. I want to go here. But he didn't want to give control. And it, when it says when the man realized that he wasn't going to win, that he, Jacob wasn't going to let loose, that Jacob was a control freak of control freaks, this is what happened. It says he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of, his, out of its socket. He, he had to change the rules a little bit. Have you ever, Do we have any wrestlers in the room? Anybody wrestle in school growing up? Yeah. I wrestled till high school. I only have like two of us. All right, we'll talk. I wrestled through high school up until high school. And, and I remember when I was about 16, I remember coming home, and it was just me and my dad living together at the time. And one of the things that we would do every now and then, I don't know if we have any uh, strange families in here like mine, but we would kind of move the coffee table out of the way. You would usually start, though, it would usually start like I was going to get a drink, and I'd push my dad, and then he would go, Boy, I'm fixing to wad you up. And I'd go, You want to help me move this coffee table? and we'd just move the coffee table and move the recliner out of the way and lock up, and here we would go. And I, I, all through junior high and high school, I had carpet burns all over me. And half of well, some of them were mat burns from wrestling, but the rest of them were carpet burns from my dad because he would just rub me around on the carpet and show me how tough he was. But this day, this day I'd been working on some new moves, some new things, and I had my dad. I am 16, so he's about, he's in his late 30s, mid to late 30s, and I'm I'm putting it on him. And I'm winning. I'm winning for the first time in my life. And all of a sudden I feel this. Uh-oh. And he grabs me, tries to rip my face off, and spins me into the carpet, stands up, puts his knee on the other side of my face, like 250 pounds right there. And he goes. I won. That's the last day we're wrestling and walks <laughs> off. And when I read this story of Jacob, I'm like, that's my dad right there. He's like that man. He couldn't win the regular way. So he had to whoop out the supernatural things, touch him in the hip, you know, mess his socket up. And and what God was showing Jacob, listen, he could have done that first, right? Really, if my dad wanted to, if my dad was enough experienced or whatever, when I pushed my dad, he could have just crumpled me. I'm sure. He's a full-grown man. He could have done that. What he's trying to teach me is and what God's trying to teach Jacob is is like the proper place of your strength. Does that make sense? The proper place of your strength. God's given you your strength. He's given you your your will and your your drive and all that. But the proper place is with him. This this man sent by God could have one immediately, I believe. Maybe not even had to hurt his hip. But he wanted to show, like, you're no match for me. My dad wanted to show me, you're no match for me. But let me show this to you. On each one of these little passages of Jacob, where we, where we talk about something new, is it, this one's a new strength. I want to show you what Matthew says or what, what Jesus would say. Matthew chapter 11 says this. Jesus talking about what, what, what happens when you come to me. And I want you to look at this new strength, this new way of thinking about how tough I am, how driven I am. Listen to this. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And here's the important part. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The the key phrase in here, like when you read this and you understand the culture that Jesus is in. So what he's saying is take my yoke upon you. All right, come to me, everybody that's tired of cutting your own trail in the woods. You know what I mean? Carving your own path in life that's always fighting for the next step and everything. Come to me, and I'm going to give you rest. And here's how I want you to think about your strength from now on, okay? Take my yoke upon you. And, and I don't know if you know what a yoke is. Sometimes we see little pictures like in church. I see they draw pictures, and they, they have like cutouts to show you. But a yoke was this. So back then, they would take uh, to plow their fields. They didn't have a good old John Deere. What they would do is take an ox, and they'd stick a plow behind the ox, and they would drive the ox, and the ox would pull the plow, and it would break up the land. What's even better is if you can get two ox on there. But if you've ever, most people, we never have pulled any horses or cattle anymore now. We don't do that a whole lot. We let John Deere do that, right? But it's much more difficult to do them in line if to steer them and to control them. What, what Jesus is saying is, Let's yoke together. And so a yoke was a, a single piece of log that was kind of straight in the middle. And then it had two humps on it, big ones. So you put one over this cow and one over this cow, over this ox. And you would latch them together. You would harness them together. So when, And then you, it would come down to your plow in the middle. So when you said, go, you didn't just have one ox pulling the plow. These two were yoked together. And it wasn't just now you had the, the horse power, the cow power of, of two. Together, they were much stronger than two because they're pulling with one yoke. And Jesus is using this illustration. He, what he's telling them is, do you ever get tired of fighting for yourself? you ever get try, tired of trying to just grind it out and scratch for every little thing? Like You get tired of doing that? Listen, if you've not given your life to me, I want you to come to me, he says. Come to me if you're wore out from all that, and I'm going to give you rest. And how we're going to do this, I'm going to show you a new strength. It's not going to just... Just be me or just you. How about it's going to be us yoked together going through life? Do you understand that? Isn't that good? That's what he's saying. He goes, it's a new strength. We were taught to use our physical strength and our mental strength to do it. Jesus said, that's great. That's all gifts. But the only way it works and it doesn't just jack your life up and stress you out is when it's yoked properly with Jesus, when you're in partnership together. And that's why I love the last line there. It says, and you will find rest for your souls. There's, you know what? There's a huge prize. I, I, I want you to think back if you were here for, let's see, was it week one? Week one of this series when the Burt's told their story? How, you know, they graduated and got this job and this job and just this job and end up making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, way more than they ever thought. And they were just going on vacations and buying everything they ever wanted. And a couple of years of that, they found themselves in the closet, sitting, crying with one another going, this isn't working. So what we would see on the outside is all of this giant success, but it didn't have its place in partnership with Christ. And that's when they said, you know what, we're going to do a couple of things. First of all, we're going to start going back to church and commit our lives to Christ. And then after that, whatever he tells us is what we're going to do. And through that process of them just following Christ, being yoked together with Christ, he took the stress off of all that success, and I'm not, listen, I don't ever pray against success in my life. Do you know that? Can I be really honest? I've never prayed, I really need a lot more or less money, Lord. Have you ever prayed that? That's very difficult. What I have prayed, though, is whatever you bless me with, please don't let it consume me. Please don't let blessings become the downfall in my life. Allow me to stay right here with you. So wherever you go, I'll go. If you say step, I step. And together, we can do this together in a new strength so that my soul is not consumed, right? Jacob learned that in the first half of his life, he was consumed because he was always having to backstab somebody or outthink somebody or outstrengthen somebody. And he learned if I can partner my life with Christ, then I can have a new strength that gives me new purpose, new direction in life. Okay, the second one is this. You get a new identity. Oh, this is one of my favorite parts of this whole thing. Favorite part of this story with, with Jacob. What was his name? What did it mean? Somebody just shout it out. Deceiver. Nobody forgot that. I wouldn't forgive the parents, named me Deceiver. Jacob has lived his entire life. His entire past, from this point back, has been what other people have said about you. And I want to tell you today that the reason you should give your life to Christ is because you get a new identity and you don't have to ever be defined by your past ever again. You don't have to be defined by events that have happened. You can, in spite of those things, you can walk away with a brand new identity. Listen to what Jacob, what happens to Jacob. In Genesis 32 says this. What is your name, the man asks. And let me just ask you real quick. If this guy's from God, do you think he knows Jacob's name? Of course. But what he's wanting is to make a uh, make a... Uh, A new identity here. He's wanting to make a change. And he's wanting Jacob to get it. The angel already knows what's fixing to happen. Listen to what he tells Jacob. He replied, Jacob. And then he says, your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. What he did in one second is he gave him a new identity. He wanted him to understand. Listen, Jacob means deceiver. But Israel... In a couple of different Hebrew cultures, it means a couple of different things. This one that he's talking about means prince of God. Can you imagine what a weird day that was for Jacob? That he goes from being the deceiver in the tribe, the deceiver in the family, the deceiver in the neighborhood, the one that tricked his brother uh, out of his inheritance, the one that has to live on the run because his brother's going to kill him for not doing that, the one that got his dad's blessing in life. We could just go on and on and on about his past. God wanted to give Jacob a new identity. You are the prince of God. In, the, in a future culture, it's even the house or presence of God. I, w- I want you to understand, church, Like we, I feel like sometimes I repeat myself and I apologize if I do. Because you know what? This entire thing is full of this story over and over and over and over again. This is one of my favorites, but it's the same thing. God's plan for all of us is for you to understand that your true purpose, that your true success, that your true happiness and all that, first is in Him. And then He'll lead you in the rest of that. He wants to give you a new identity. An identity not based on circumstances or past or situations that you couldn't control. But a new identity. A new identity. A new identity. Listen to what Jesus' version is. John chapter 1 says, they brought him, this guy, to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. So we've heard that. If you've read throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you've heard Peter be called Simon, or they even sometimes call him Simon Peter. But when he met Jesus, Jesus said, here, I want you to understand something. Now, this is, this is, Jesus didn't even say hi, did he? He didn't say, hey, nice kicks, man. I like those. Yeah? You got any new fishing techniques? Nothing like that. He walked up and he goes, this is my brother Simon. And he goes, Simon, you will be called Peter. This is such a weird culture. And you know why, though? Because Jesus was really business at this point. He knows Simon means small pebble. Who knows why they named him that? But do you know what Peter means? means large rock or foundational rock. You remember later on, Jesus looks at Peter when he screws up major in the Bible. Major, like here's Jesus put all this stock in him and he denies Christ. Do you know what he says? He looks at Peter and he says, Peter, upon you I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You're the rock. You're the foundation that this is going to happen. And see, this is what I always think about when I read the small pebble, large rock. I'm like, that is so weird. I don't understand that culture. But I do understand the message that Jesus goes, Peter, do you understand that I know the gifts I've given you? That I know your future? That I know the circumstances you're going to have? I know the purpose that I have for you? And what I want you to understand is you're not associated with the little things in life. Like when you connect with me, when you have your identity in me, it's about the bigger things, the more important things in life. And I want you to understand that. From our first meeting, you're the foundation. You're not some scrap gravel over there. Whatever your name would bring that identity with it. You have a new identity in me. It's the foundation. We're going to build something that changes the world. I want you to understand that. Sometimes we can get real over hokey and real over spiritual at church. We can be seen that way. And I want you to understand Jesus is about as practical as any human being you've ever met in your life. He understands how much your identity and what people say about you affect you. He wants you to understand before you go another step in your faith that I know who you are. I know how I created you. The gifts, the talents, the abilities I've given you. And I know what I have planned for you. Don't let people change your identity. Don't let people call you the deceiver. Don't let people call you the small or little things. When when that happens, you know what? You just go. Thank the Lord they're not the ones making the decisions. That it's all between me and God. Amen. Thank the Lord that I have him beside me. We're yoked together. We're going to do this together. So my future, my purpose depends on him, not what everybody else says. Thank the Lord. Last one is this. You get a new joy. This is probably one of the harder ones for me to, to explain. But it's a joy not based on circumstances. And the reason I say that is how many things in life do we get that that either detract from our joy, our happiness, or that adds to it? You see, when l- the next verse in this story says this, Genesis 32, it says, Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. And then he blessed Jacob there. Then he blessed Jacob there. He changed his strength, what he depended upon for his future. He changed his identity. And out of those things, that's where your true joy in this life is going to come from. Do you know there are times in my life when I am super unsuccessful? And sometimes when I'm very successful at what I wanted to do. And my joy, I I try on purpose to keep my joy pretty level. I try to reinforce what Jesus said, that my joy comes from Him. Jesus wants to bless us. Do you believe that? All right. Yeah, there's like three of us in here. I I I want you to understand that Jesus said, if your strength comes from me, if we're partnered together and your identity comes from me, do you realize that that is a new kind of joy in your life that is not based on this world? It's based on a relationship between you and I, and that's all it's based on. Listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 5. We've heard this many times before. But blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jesus is trying to explain throughout the whole Beatitudes here in Matthew 5. He's trying to say, if you will change your appetite for what what you're hungry for, what you're thirsty for in this world, I'm going to fill you full of things that will change your perspective on everything you see. Well, that's the reason I say a new strength. It's not like the bicep strength or the back strength. It's a new kind of strength that comes from inward, from something supernatural. It's a new kind of identity that's not based off of our past or how we're dressed or the people we hang out with. It's based off of what God says about us. And it's a new joy that's not even based off circumstances in life. Who would ever say that? It's the weirdest preaching moment ever, isn't it? Of course our joy comes off of circumstances. No comes off of the blessings of god in my life because i am going to fail a bunch and i'm going to succeed a bunch but i hope that my joy stays consistent with my relationship in god that i can understand that if my appetite changes and i hunger and i thirst for righteousness the right things of god then he fills me and makes my joy complete in this world amen that's what it's about that's what this whole series is about and and here's why i would encourage you today to get a card. When you go out in the lobby, get one of those cards, write your name on it, put some of that double sided tape on there, put it on the wall. And look at it. Take a minute and look at it. Because that blank, the reason there's not one thing specific in there to start off with is because from time to time that changes. I found this in Jesus. Well, some of us have found redemption in Jesus, some of us have found hope, like Brittany Catherine, in Jesus. Some of us have found life. Like the birds said, man, I thought it was all that, but it's really this. God started using all of that once I got in line with him. And through different stages of life, we come to find out like, oh, I was trying to do that on my own. But I really found that in Jesus. I found everything that I need in him. And just about the time in my life that I think, I I think I've found it all. I've figured this out. Something else happened. And Jesus, remind me, is, you find that in me. You find that in me. So here's what I want to pray for today as we as we finish this. I want to pray for us all. Not just the church people. Not us church people. Not just somebody in here that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. All of us. Because today is about control. Let's go back to the beginning. It's about understanding that we're at our best when Jesus next to us and we're yoked with him or in partnership with him when he's driving or riding and it's real easy through different seasons of life it's funny i had a conversation before service with a younger couple and we were just talking about i said if i could tell you two things one would be seasons in life that by the time you get this season figured out you swap seasons oh we're newlyweds we just got this great newlywed life figured out here comes a little kid right after a little kid right after a little kid I mean they just keep coming I don't know why and everything in life you just have to relearn every season and that's why the one bit of advice I could give you is in every season when you figure out okay I can't do this just go to God and let him teach you remind yourself that I'm yoked with him I'm gonna let him lead me I'm gonna go after that new stream new direction new purpose in him so whatever season you're in in life, whatever struggle you have, can we just all together say, Lord, I'm giving you the keys today. I know that my greatest is in you. My greatest hope, my greatest purpose, my greatest direction, my greatest family, my greatest job, my greatest happiness is in you. And teach me that. Teach me how to live in you. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful for your grace and your mercy in our lives so humble in your patience I think back to the story of Chris and how you redeemed him sitting in that jail cell with a a volunteer chaplain that's an incredible story but Lord I can't think of any greater story than right here right now this this place this moment I pray that you would remind us that our greatest is found in you that all we need is found in you Today, Lord, we lift up our our needs, our wants, our hearts, desires, our future, our past, our identity, our strength, our weaknesses, all of it. We give it to you, Lord, along with the keys to our life. And we want to be yoked together with you. We want to pull together. We want to work with you leading us. So I pray that today, Lord, that you would take our hearts and our minds and our soul and our strength. Teach us to follow you, to love you, to obey you. I believe if you have our hearts and our minds and our souls, that everything else will follow in life. I pray for those in this room that don't know you. I pray that today would be the day that they would open up their lives and let you come in and redeem them. That you would save them from their past. That you'd give them a new identity and new strength. That you'd give them a joy that cannot be found in this world, Lord. can only be found in you that you'd prepare each of us this week as we go out to understand that with you, all things are possible. All things are possible. Because you're going to give us a new strength. We love you, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.